I'm Larry from Iowa, and this is the only chip in the cookie. The only chip in the cookie? Yep. In other words, I'm usually the only one. On this podcast, I share my experiences in hopes that I can validate others and inform allies on how to be more supportive. I'm super excited to talk to you guys today, so let's get started. Before we jump in, I want to tell everybody about this fantastic organization, Spark. Spark was an organization founded by Akil Clark in 2018, right here in Des Moines, Iowa. Its main goal was to provide free books for kids whose parents couldn't afford to buy them books. To date, Spark has distributed about 5,000 books throughout the Des Moines community, but now Spark is looking to take its efforts nationwide. And with your help, we can create the largest free youth book club in all of America. Please check out sparkfndn.org to learn more about the organization, but also check the link on the description. I run a screen printing business called Neighborhood Twit, and we have pressed up a few Spark designs for sale, and the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds or the profits from each sale of these Spark items will uh, directly benefit the Spark Foundation. So check it out. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. As always, got to start this out by just thanking everybody that's been supporting the podcast. Thank you to everyone that has contributed to our Cash App account. Um, that's dollar sign only chip podcast. Thank you to everybody that has uh, followed our Instagram account, Chip and Cookie Pod. Um, thanks to everyone that's following me on, on Twitter. I know I'm not super active on there yet, but you can follow me at Larry from Iowa on Twitter. Uh, and, and also, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff on here. So if there's anything that you would like to talk to me about personally or, or anything from the podcast that you'd like to address, feedback is always welcome. So hit me up, uh, only chip podcast at gmail.com. So, I've been doing some lamenting lately. So, strap up, folks. <laughs> so, I was thinking, you know, other than my white homeboy one day saying to me at the mall, Larry, it must be cool to, to be black because you're cool and your friends are cool. Other than that one conversation, I never really had conversations with white people about what it's like to be black until I was an adult um, I would say in my early 30s I do remember that there was a time when I was a young bank teller working in an affluent part of Des Moines it's actually called West Des Moines there was a time that I was working as a bank teller in West Des Moines and I did have some insecurities about being the only black employee I remember having a one-on-one -on -one with my boss, and for some reason I asked him if he had ever been the only white person somewhere at any point in his life. Once at a party, he said, and we didn't stay long. <laughs> so I remember thinking to myself, oh, so you weren't alone, and thinking, why didn't you stay? Uh, the conversation didn't really extend much further than that, and at again, at 19 or, or 20 years old, um, I don't even know if I would have really been equipped to really have a much meaningful conversation beyond that point anyway. It would actually, so I actually went quite a long time without 
specifically talking to anybody that I worked with about race or anything race related, I probably probably went around uh, went about another twelve years or so um, before I would have a specific conversation about my personal experiences with with race. And when I did begin to talk about these things more, it was definitely during the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I remember I was simply being vocal about stuff that I was seeing on the news. BLM was making headlines and, and uh, they were making headlines for, for protesting at this point. And they were almost daily headlines. And with me bringing up these issues and with me bringing up these events that I was seeing on on the news and on TV and talking about them at work before I knew it, there was this new reoccurring phrase that would enter my life. This phrase, variations of this phrase sound like this. I want to get your thoughts on something or I want to get your perspective on something. And of course, never one to shy away from talking about myself. I initially would take on these opportunities to share perspective without any hesitation or without needing to know much about why my perspective was necessary. Being a podcast host and a recruiter by trade is a natural fit for me because I'm someone who, as they say, is a chatty Cathy. And that's no disrespect to any of my female fans or anyone named Kathy. The questions about my perspective would usually start out like this. Larry, what are your thoughts on Black Lives Matter? Larry, what are your thoughts on all these protests? Larry, what are your thoughts on the police? First off, were these work-appropriate questions? Well, I guess that depends on who you ask. Back then, you and I would probably say those questions were probably out of bounds for work. But now, fast forward to 2020, I have a much clearer understanding that race truly is woven into every single facet of our lives, including work. So now, I don't necessarily think those questions are necessarily out of bounds. They'd ask me questions, and I would answer them with as much authenticity and truth as I could. I stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, as I believe in their mission. I believe that peaceful protesting can be an effective strategy that leads towards meaningful change. I believe that there's a big problem with police brutality, as there's a disproportionate number of black people being brutalized and killed by police officers. These were my typical responses to those, Larry, I want to get your perspective questions that I was being asked. The responses to these questions were supposed to be my perspective remember i don't recall anybody that i worked with coming up to me and asking hey larry can we debate on the subject of black lives matter can we debate on the subject of protest can we debate on the on the topic of police brutality i'm not sure why it took me so many times to realize this but pretty much every single time somebody would want my perspective on something black related it quickly turned out to be less about my perspective and more about these people needing me their safe black friend and coworker to basically validate the racist programming that they had subscribed to and believed in. I remember during one of these passionate perspective exchanges, 
a co-worker had said to me in regards to my perspective on police brutality, if black people want to be treated better by the police, then why do they commit the most crimes? Why do they kill their own kind in places like Chicago? What about all the black on black crime? I remember this conversation turning visceral real fast. You can't have it both ways, this former colleague would say. You can't bitch about black lives needing to matter when they don't even matter to you guys. I remember feeling personally attacked by this person's comments. And at that time, I didn't have the tools to articulate what systemic racism was or that it was racist to infer what they were alluding to, which is that black people were prone to violent crimes. At the time, I did not understand the myth of even black on black crime, or in other words, that most neighborhoods were homogenous. Therefore, if you're white living in a white neighborhood, and when a white person commits a crime against another white person, no one is ever going to say anything about the white on white crime. I did not have the knowledge that black people only made up about 18% of the US population, yet they accounted for approximately 25% of police related fatalities. I did not know that although the state of Iowa only averages about a 4% black population, that we have the highest per capita of black folks locked up in prison. I didn't have any of those retorts. I just remember thinking that the empathy that I felt for Alton Sterling's children was not at all received by this coworker. I just remember that when I was comparing similarities of my life to Philando Castile's life, I was met with an eye roll. I remember every single time this person kept saying, you guys, it felt like they were including me in this box of all y'all black people are savages. That conversation and several conversations like that would usually just end with either myself or whoever was challenging me to storm off, storm off in a huff. huff. So when people out of nowhere or out of the blue would reach out to me with one of those, I would like to get your perspective openers. I had a tendency to ignore the ignore the request completely because nine times out of ten, I had a feeling in the back of my mind that this perspective that I was being asked to share would more likely be about black people or my feelings about black people, and I just did not have the stomach for those one-sided conversations. Fast forward to 2020, the George Floyd era. Like I've mentioned in previous episodes, white people have come out of the woodwork to reach out to me about blackness, but this time, for the most part, a lot of it has been simply to say, I see you, I'm thinking about you, thinking about your family. Obviously, some of these statements were more thought out, but this is the gist of the messaging that I was receiving. And I did receive some of those invitations to talk about my perspective. But again, for years, I trained myself to ignore requests and um, I trained myself to to not talk about race with white people. I'd been burned so many times putting myself out there, being vulnerable, only to experience being attacked for expressing my true black opinion on a black-related matter. I guess I just figured there's enough YouTube videos and podcasts out there that do a good enough job sharing perspective. And plus, if you're friends with me on social media, then you should already know my perspective. Now I want to tell you about something extraordinary that happened to me. I want to tell you about the last time I received one of those kind of grab your perspective emails. A few weeks ago, I received an email from a former colleague of mine asking for my perspective. I'm going to read you guys this email verbatim. 
Larry, I wonder if you have time for a call. I would love to get your perspective. Pause. Now, here we go. That perspective line. I'm already rolling my eyes and ready to just put my phone back down wherever it was. Unpause. I have been doing some research starting before the recent disturbing stories we continually hear about in the news. For example, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, Breonna Taylor. These news stories, however, make this even more pressing slash significant. All right, pause again. I'm going to give you guys basically a breakdown as I read this uh, letter. But um, here's, I mean, this is initially, this is this is right here where the wheels of my brain started to turn. And I was like, oh, because now I'm hearing something that no one, nobody has ever said this to me before. No one has ever followed up, can I get your perspective on some black stuff with, by the way, this is some stuff that I've been doing on my own. And I thought it was dope that, like my former colleague said, this person was doing research on this particular issue prior to George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, Breonna Taylor. I think that's that's big. And so for me, I'm like, okay, so if you've been doing the research, you and I have probably been noticing the same patterns. Unpause. I read a book entitled Biased, Uncovering the Hidden Prejudice that Shapes What We See, Think, and Do, and another entitled White Fragility, Why Is It So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism? Both books were eye-opening. In short, I am trying to re-educate myself. Pause. Let me just pause right there. I am trying to re-educate myself and not only have I been doing research, but I'm going to tell you exactly what books I've been reading. So again, no one's ever talked to me like this before. This is making me feel pretty good. Unpause. Both books were eye-opening. In short, I am trying to educate myself. I want to learn as much as I can, and then I will try to figure out what I can do to improve or reduce the amount of racism in the conversations and relationships I have. I want to do my part. The point of a call would be merely to get your perspective. I understand now that there is a lot of racism around us, and I would like to understand it better and do what I can to improve. I guess I am not so bold as to think I can change the world, but maybe I can help to change my corner of it. Are you game? If so, I will set up a meeting. Thanks. When I received this email, I honestly was, I was in shock. I thought if there's any way to lead the I would like to get your perspective conversation, this would be the way to do it. So what happened next? I accepted the invite. This person sent me an agenda. The agenda was very specific, much like the original invite. We had the conversation. The conversation was great. I had an opportunity to share my thoughts, my perspective, how my perspective was shaped. It was a great conversation. And I realized, okay, it is possible for me to have these kinds of conversations with people that approach me, but it just has to be done in the right way. And I really appreciate how this person was was sensitive to the subject matter and, you know, came to me respectfully to talk about a very delicate situation. 
that's all I got, y'all. Once again, I appreciate everybody that's liking and subscribing and following uh, the podcast, the social media. Um, we out here. Find me on Twitter, Larry from Iowa. Um, add me on Instagram, Chip and Cookie Pod. And uh, until next time, peace.